So today we have Raki Patel on the podcast, which I'm really excited about. And we'll be talking about relating in a different kind of way than we normally talk on this podcast. We'll talk more about somatic embodied ways of relating first to self and then We'll probably also go into a bit about how to use this and how to relate to other people. So welcome to the podcast, Rikay. Mm, hello, thank you for having me. Nice to be here. It's <laughs> my pleasure. I think in the beginning, let's get started with maybe if you can share a bit about your journey and why you're doing this work in the first place mm. and working with people and their body and how they can release. Um, like mm. what motivated you to get here? Yeah, beautiful. Um wow, well it's been a been a big journey. Um and I would say it's been in direct correlation with my own journey of healing and, and my own experiences. Um and when I was when I first started getting into any form of therapy, I was very severely traumatized and completely immobilized really in my body. Like I, I felt completely numb. So this idea of embodiment, I would have not even understood what that term meant. But I think when I went on my own journey of healing and discovered after years and years of talk therapy and seeing very little results, um, or at least not changes that lasted, I discovered somatic therapies and it was like instant. Like I saw more changes in one month of somatic coaching than I did in about seven years of CBT. So it was just profound for me. It was so instantaneous. And of course, there's no quick fix to healing. But as soon as I discovered that we could get much faster results with working with the body instead of just my mind, um, that's kind of my drive, my driving force and, and my passion to help others to find the same and not to waste as much time as it felt like I did. Um, and yeah, of course, the, the mind has its place and so does talking therapy. But in terms of my journey, that's been the main driving factor to help others to discover the same liberation that I felt um, in my journey of healing and, and somatic trauma release. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And actually, you know, I had a very yeah. similar journey and experience in the way that for me, mm. I went to traditional talk therapy and it just wasn't having an impact. In many ways, I think it made it far worse. And I'm not saying there's no value in it, but it didn't work well for me. And mm. it was only when I did something called somatic experiencing and body work that I really started releasing. And again, it made me so curious about what we're going to talk about today, which is understanding how we actually process a world which is first somatically. The first, you know, everything is a sense, right? Somatic. And this is how we process everything that comes in, first through the body, then emotionally, through emotional memories. And then, you know, our thoughts come online and make some story around what has happened. And mm. also a lot of these traumas that we have actually happens even before language is born, right? Or before we have language to describe it and make meaning out of it. And therefore, we can't even access it. So it's really beautiful. And as I said, my experience is very, very similar. And I, I think what I want to talk a bit about, because I know it's something we both feel really passionate about, is also this this distinction and maybe gap between the more anxious tribal values and also our more modern days individualized values and also how that actually impact people's well-being in general mm, yeah definitely um 
I think for me, the main difference or what's kind of creating the separation between these ancient tribal values and our more westernized modern day kind of way of relating is is authenticity this authentic raw connection that we can have with each other which in tribal communities was quite yeah kind of at the forefront and the core of the way that they they communicate and relate even things like sitting in circles sitting in ceremony and connecting with each other it felt or it feels that sometimes the westernized way has lost some of that just authentic connection and relating like I think we need to move away from being really rooted in this rigid clinical conditioning way of healing and moving more towards this more tribal what for me feels more human and heart-centered way of healing um which is the way that we connect and relate to each other and I think that when even coaches healers therapists can be seen and, and unafraid to be in their vulnerabilities it's I think there's a misconception that holding space is about at least my experience of, of talk therapy was that you know there was kind of a lot of distance between me and the other person and there was just no human connection there and I think it's breaking down that um belief system that we have that like we have to pedestalize people and people have to be really kind of yeah, clinical in their ways, because I don't think that that clients or people that require that healing can really connect to that. And most people I speak to that have had a very successful experience with with coaching or healing has been because they've really connected to the person that they're working with. And in tribes, there would be that kind of, I feel, authentic relating that creates a strong foundation of connection first, so that we can really build that trust. Um, and surrender basically to the healing modalities but when we're just sent off to somebody and you know in I don't know I'm kind of like I know that it's everyone has a different experience of these things and I can only share mine but it felt like I was being kind of sent off to see somebody in a white coat that sat meters away from me and it just broke my heart looking back because how it, it doesn't surprise me that I couldn't connect to that or feel seen or heard, really, because they were kind of following a script. And I could sense that even as a young girl. So how how was I then supposed to trust in, in the process deep down or understand? I think that that's the part that's been lost. And again, it's like, you know, I'm sat in a room. And what about being sat outside and connecting to Mother Earth and nature and bringing back some of that that wisdom and it's really simple really just those small changes but I think that yeah that that's kind of something that seems to be be lacking I, I don't know what your experience has been or if you have anything to add um but that kind of comes through for me quite strongly just that difference in atmosphere and um rigidity I think is through obviously boundaries are really important but I don't think it needs to be so clinical and I don't feel that's that natural either. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful, actually. Really wonderful description. So there was so much good you said in there that I want to yeah. kind of address because yeah. I think there's this whole, like you talked about how it's more clinical, traditional therapy and we have yeah. to keep that distance when real healing happens, when we actually allow 
to form a real relationship with the person we are working with. And I think that's such an important point. And I even think, you know, attachment theory has been so important for me when I discovered that and started studying that and understanding that actually our wounds and our traumas are created in relation with others, right? It's often some breach of trust with other people in relations that have caused this. And therefore, again, it also made complete logical sense when I started studying this and realized, oh, of course, we also need to heal in relation with others and not just by ourselves. And I think I spoke to somebody in the US recently and, you know, this whole idea that they have of individual pursuit of happiness, right? And I said to her, maybe the pursuit of happiness is not an individual one. Maybe that's why we keep getting it wrong, because we think it's about individualism. I said, maybe the pursuit of happiness should be a social one. It should be about getting there together and not me getting there or you getting there and trying to compete to get there, right? And instead, maybe it's actually about us coming together, which is coming back to what we used to be, which is tribal. And I think I shared with you last time we talked this study of of kids, child soldiers in Africa that came back to two different Mm -hmm. tribes, one that have no social integration and one that have tons where they had support, they were accepted, they did dance rituals. And the the kids who went back to a tribe with that support system, they developed no PTSD, while the children that went back to a more isolated um, sense of community, they all developed it. So the interesting part is part of trauma it's actually the isolation after I experience, right? It's not just the experience itself. It's also how we are treated and what connections we have afterwards that really help us. So I think that's so important, especially because we have this glorification of individualism, especially in our Western culture, that is about competing, getting better, right? Who can get the top job? Who can get X, Y, and Z? And we forget that actually what we need is this togetherness. And the same applies, as you said, to healing we have to relate to the other person for them to get an experience of what safe is right that will help that trauma so i think that was beautiful how you how you kind of describe that i think that was wonderful but i think we talk a lot about you know trauma work so maybe you know if you want to talk a bit about what is even this somatic trauma release and trauma work because some people might sit and shake their head right now and think what are these people talking about (laughs) yeah yeah, definitely. Um, it's really beautiful to see the movement towards somatics at the moment and and how it is becoming more mainstream. But totally, because when I first heard about it, I was like, what? And, and it's actually interesting because I don't actually think we can understand it with our heads. Um, it's really working with the felt sense, which brings me into what somatics actually is. Um For me, working with with somatics and also, you know, Dr. Peter Levine and Dr. Bessel van der Kolk have written amazing books on it, done amazing scientific studies. But it's fascinating because, to be completely honest, I hadn't learned about any of that before I just experienced it. This was something that I directly experienced with a coach um, who really guided me into my body in a subtle way because when I first met her it wasn't like I went to her and and she said to me you know we're going to do somatic experiencing somatic work like 
she's kind of somebody that worked a lot with self-discovery and just guiding me into my truth and allowing me to shake my trauma out physically. And it happened so organically and naturally. And she was very kind of rooted in those ancient tribal values and that ancient wisdom that had been passed on to her by, by teachers she had been with in India and so on, which was really beautiful, actually, because even with somatic experiencing, there's a tendency to want to clinicalize if that's a word even that and it, it can be but there's also many people that just have this ability and this presence to guide us into our truth and that was my first initial experience of it before I even started um, learning about the scientifics of it but essentially it was or it is guiding us into the felt sense where trauma might be stuck or stagnant in our bodies so that it can be physically felt and, and moved through. And sometimes that is literally it being shaked out. Um, there's been sessions where I've physically thrown up through really feeling the depth and the density of some of the places in my body where I was holding on to shame, disgust, self-hatred. And it's like, it's so fascinating because in those moments, I'm not even aware of what's happening in my mind. Like I'm just feeling, just purely feeling. And I think before I was talking about it a lot, like, okay, yeah, I have these issues. I'm, I have obsessions with, with chasing men and I don't feel like I love myself, but how long can we keep looping around in the mind um, before we're actually getting to the root. And I think that's mainly what somatics is for me, is getting to the root cause of some of these mind stories that are playing out. And the, the mind has its purpose, and it's beautiful to relay the stories if when we need to. Um, but if we can drop a little bit deeper and get to the source, that's where it is. And animals are the perfect example because if a wild animal experiences trauma like a gazelle um if a gazelle is hunted by a lion the gazelle will freeze as we do in trauma and then it will physically shake and it will almost reenact what it went through before that trauma was caused and it will physically shake out the trauma there's amazing videos of this online um and they're just fascinating. It's the same with rabbits. If they're chased into a hole by a fox, they will shake to really shake out that trauma physically. And then they move on with their lives and it's as if nothing happened. But because as humans, we can create stories about what happened and lots of shame and judgment, it blocks that response of shaking and just moving on with our lives. And we're not able to be present because our bodies are constantly stuck in that experience of the, the past and that's the gift of somatics. It can take us to that place where we needed to shake or release or throw up or whatever it is that we needed to feel. And that allows that energy to move. And it's magic, really. Um, yeah. And, and Dr. Peter Levine has also shared some fascinating studies on how there's so many points in westernized culture where we want to jump in, like even if somebody's had a fall will be like immediately go to get them up and he shares that again that's not wise because it's important just to let them continue that cycle to complete that cycle so if they have had a fall that's obviously something minor in comparison to some traumas but it's a good starting point to understand this um 
it's okay I'm here with you just offer a bit of bit of soothing um and let that person just come up on their own like there's this tendency to want to oh come on get up get back up up we need to give ourselves the space and the time and the grace really to fully feel things um without jumping straight into our mind and we have a tendency to overanalyze and i think that's where somatics is making a strong comeback and and where there's been this ancient wisdom our bodies know our bodies have so much innate wisdom like they know what to do they're not afraid of feeling it's only our minds that will create stories and so much so that we're so afraid of feeling what needs to be felt at a subconscious level that it can keep us stuck for a very long time. And, and that in my experience, it plays out in ways that we're not even aware of. But the freedom and liberation that's felt when an emotion can fully pass through us and when I've experienced that shaking or even purging, throwing up, um, and that doesn't happen that often, it only when I've really been processing some really deep, dark trauma. But it's just been so liberating that's the word I would use because our body can actually shake out that energy it can transmute that energy and it's no longer stuck in our bodies and I don't believe that's something we can get to when we're just over analyzing in our mind and asking why 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 the body doesn't really care actually it's only our our minds that need to know Yes, that is a really gorgeous description. I love that. And you know, when you talked about the the animals, I remember also seeing yeah. this video of a polar bear that got tranquilized oh, and as it woke up again, which obviously is a shock to it, and feeling paralyzed, yeah. the freeze, the classical stress um, trauma response, then like you said, it starts shaking really, really violently. And then it totally relaxed. And again, it's actually bring us back to the whole stress response. Trauma is obviously an overloading of the system where it eventually shuts down and going to freeze. And eventually, as you said, it's actually energy biologically designed to want to be discharged through tension and release, right? That's what it's meant to do, whether we fight or run away. It's a tension. And in that shaking, there's a tension. And then the, the re- relaxing afterwards of allowing the body to just completely relax. So that naturally, like you said, discharged. And I think also, like you mentioned, we already know this because as babies, we are all somatic, right? We don't have language. We don't have that cognition online yet. So we are very much, we feel the hunger. We feel hot, cold, right? And that's what we then respond by reaching out with crying, with shaking, whatever it is we do. And Mm. we already have that language. It's almost like as, as then cognition and thought becomes online and we live in a culture that obviously primarily value cognition, it's almost like we lose the language we are born with, which was one of somatic of sensing the body mm. and experience through the body. And we forget because we don't speak that language, right? And as adults, we don't understand why all these things, we just keep feeling stressed. We maybe get psychosomatic symptoms like headaches, IBS, all these things, because we don't know we have things stored in the body, right? And mm. and it's almost like we have to relearn. And I think even when you said we don't need the intellect, intellect uh, with the intellect to logically understand it, you're right. Just doing these things with the body in itself without understanding it and often without even telling the story can in itself release it. Um, but it's almost like we now have to cognitively understand this language that we forgot, right? And then slowly get back into the body again so we can also experience the body a lot more. So I loved your description. And there's probably a lot of people, again, sitting out there thinking, wow, this sounds 
really great, but but how do I do this? Like, how does this look like? Would you be able to kind of describe so people can maybe imagine or get some kind of felt experience of how that would be to step into that? Yeah, definitely. Um, again, because it's something that's a felt sense and an experience, it's something that, that and that's the beauty of somatic coaching or somatic experiencing. It's investing in someone or trusting in someone that can hold that space for the individual to experience that because the truth is is if we're very used to being in our minds a lot and we're rooted in that there's almost this this block or resistance that we need support to work through um that kind of energy and if we sit with somebody that has that kind of presence or can guide us into it that's the best way that I can probably suggest someone to start to have that experience I mean if there's a listener that wants I guess um a a taster into somatics that they can work with by themselves it's this mantra drop the story and just feel just drop the story and just feel. So I think that can be a really powerful starting point for somebody to work with. An example might be that somebody is feeling a lot and thinking a lot about a situation and the thoughts often make it worse because it's not actually the natural process of the body. So see if you can recognize that pattern and be like, okay, wait a minute. I keep relaying this story that I'm not happy because X, Y, and Z. I'm I'm so stressed because I've just got all these things to do and I don't have enough money. I don't have enough this. I don't have enough that. And it's the mind finding so many reasons for suffering, whatever that suffering is, whether it's rage, despair, it can be a whole range of emotions. At that point, I would suggest perhaps doing some free writing, if that's what you're used to, getting the mind story out. And then just sitting and practicing, dropping that story and seeing where you feel it in the body. What what sensations can you feel? If you need to release it with perhaps some breath, some sound, some movement, like you say about bathing. I mean, I, I love this quote. Um, what were we thinking before we learned a language? What were we thinking before we learned a language? Because that is essentially that baby wisdom. And there's lots of ancient kind of texts that say our younger selves are our true selves, because that's when we're fully connected and tapped into our intuition. So it can be, I sometimes get a baby photo of me up as well and take a bath or something just to connect with that wisdom, which can help with this mantra of dropping a story and just feeling like really giving ourselves that grace to return to our baby-like states and seeing what flows from that space. I think that can be a really powerful practice just to start practicing every day, like feeling our emotions without the story and playing with it. Because it doesn't have to be so serious either. Like often I found that, you know, I've been so terrified of feeling shame or disgust or rage or lack, which is probably what we are feeling deep down if we're worrying about stuff in day to day life. But really just dropping that story. And there's many energetic practices that can help us to get there. But having a play with different tools and ways in which you can do that Um I'm noticing, yeah, how do I feel that in my body? Is it tingly? Is it static? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it heavy? Is it light? 
and like practicing that in the body and it does it just takes practice because when we first start we might feel numb but that's also a sensation to be felt so feel numb and go from there and it's all the time just working with whatever's there slowly slowly and eventually we drop into feeling things at a deeper level and it just becomes innate it just it we just return to our natural wisdom in our bodies so yeah I think that's a powerful starting point for anybody that wants to begin experiencing what it feels like to process emotions somatically and using the innate wisdom of their bodies and reconnecting to that really because it for me it's a remembering it's not a new learning it's not really something new that we have to learn it's actually forgetting all of the mind stories and returning to our truth our true nature remembering that and you know you said you said a lot of important things here i'll highlight some of them because i think they're so important you mentioned Mm. playfulness because again as children we naturally know to play right nobody has to teach us to play and the interesting thing is part of moving out of a trauma response or even if it's not just trauma but but difficult sensation and emotions is to include playfulness like you said it doesn't always have to be serious actually playfulness is a hugely important tool children do this intuitively they soothe themselves through playfulness as well right it's part of returning to a a balanced state and again even i could explain it scientifically but i don't think that's so important right now but there's actually a special theory if people want to learn about it called polyvagal theory which is all about that playfulness is actually the main way into what's the social engagement system where we feel safe and engaged with the world around us. So, you know, like you said, but we already know naturally Mm. all these things we already knew when we were really small and you're right. It's something that we don't have to, to, um, it's not a new thing we have to learn. It's basically learning to take away the things, the blocks that we put up forward, right? Just like, you know, I read this study about children when they're four years old have a creativity basically when tested at the level of a genius and every four year they tested them after starting school their creativity dropped and dropped and dropped it's almost like we've been learned out of these things right that we naturally did and one thing i wanted to just also speak to you about was um, so sit there daily try and be present with what you're sensing what you're feeling my question was then what do people do if that feels overwhelming right because for some people even that like sitting down and trying to just be present with how they feel can be really really overwhelming right what are like some things they might be able to do if they do that and then like no this is too much and then i guess often we try to numb out by putting on youtube or whatever people might do to numb out what can they do to to stay a bit longer in that space Mm, yeah really beautiful question thank you for raising that and I think it's it's really imperative actually to growth in order to create that safety both for ourselves and for each other and this is something that I work with a lot because when clients first come to see me there's not always that sense of safety in their bodies and actually it wouldn't be wise to be like really kind of pushing somebody into a sensation that's feeling overwhelming because that isn't how we process it can actually it can cause it can re-traumatize us if we're too pushy with ourselves so it's creating a safe space and within that I would say sometimes meditation is not the wisest option especially if there's 
a lot of discomfort and trauma in our body, which again is part of the wildness of shaking or moving or dancing. There's so many different ways, and that's that's the beauty of this, that there's an abundance of tools to play with, like really an abundance. So if sitting is not something that feels comfortable and it feels too overwhelming, like ask ask yourself, what is it that I do need then to help this feel more comfortable? Because, you know, it's not always avoidance if we are wanting to go and move or even to watch something that's soothing us or giving us a bit of that kind of respite. As long as we can bring a little bit of conscious awareness into what's happening, like, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. So I might go and talk to a friend or actually I need to just be in my mind like sometimes a client will come on to my calls and say I need to just talk today and that's also a somatic release emptying the mind but all this is about is bringing a bit more body awareness slowly slowly into that as well and it's it's a gentle process like it's whenever somebody feels ready or their body feels ready then you will drop into that. But it's really important that if you don't feel that safety to try something else, because there's no rules to this. The only rules we create are really the ones in our minds. So if somebody wants to create using artwork, um, sports, like all of these things are amazing. And there will be something for everyone. I truly believe that. And it's about the individual and what's right for that client. But even if it's something really simple, like connecting with a flower outside and just smelling that flower and feeling the sensations of those petals on their fingers. Um, and even if that's just for a millisecond that they that they feel that and they connect to their felt sense and then they come back, it's all of these tiny baby steps that I believe slowly build us up to feeling that comfort in our bodies because it's not it can it's often not an easy process and it's not linear um, and we have to be willing to create that patience and that space with ourselves and find mentors healers coaches that will give us that that grace period as well um you know whilst also a little bit of challenge and a bit of tough love it's it's a constant dance between the two but I think every individual is so unique and different and it's really important to know that if one practice isn't working for you then you try something else like sometimes the body wants to just run and that's also a somatic practice because it's discharging the energy and then when you come back to sitting you probably will feel more comfortable and um, that's been my experience if someone is feeling that overwhelm like you uh, mentioned um, from just sitting and being present with what they feel then often it needs to be discharged in a more physical way, like going on a run or dancing or just moving a little bit or even just shaking, just physically shaking, just jumping up and down as children would do and then coming back. So it's it's working with the present moment as well. And that's what I love about somatics. It's not this rigid structure. Um, it and can change in any moment. And it brings it back. Everything you say brings it back to play really, whether like you said, it's being with a flower, whether it's dancing, whether it's doing a sport, yeah. whether it's um, whatever it is, really, these are play, whether it's coloring and painting, right? This is all yeah. play, right? It's come back to, like yeah. we said before, they're, they're playful ways. And I think also like you described here, which I think is so spot on, is that if we are overwhelmed, then you said, you know, go for a run, use movement. Movement is yeah. like a great way. If we feel too overwhelmed in stillness, then like you said, move, move the body, right? It might just, 
it might just need that movement to come down and then center again. And I even love, because like you said, sometimes people just need to talk and empty their mind. Sometimes they need movement. What I found was really great, both for myself, but also people that I work with, was actually incorporating movement and talk. So a sense of, you know, what we do in, in five rhythms where we, we that a body just move freely to the music, but actually have them talk through their experience as they were moving. It was kind of like there was an integration and a movement, emotion and their cognition, like the whole organism kind of uh, melted and, and integrated together, if that makes sense, which is really beautiful mm -hmm. to kind of witness. Um, one thing you mentioned a little bit earlier when you were talking was obviously about this fact that when people do this practice again, then it might be a bit difficult in the beginning also to sense their body. What can people, and you said that's totally normal, right? Which, which it is, but what, what can people then kind of do if they're starting to get frustrated and they're like, oh, I feel I'm supposed to, to sense something because these two people talked about it in the podcast, but I can't sense anything in my body. Um, yeah. What are kind of ways they can also be gentle with themselves and not start, because there's often all this, I should, right? We also grow yeah. up with all this, I should, this, yeah. this and that, but there's nothing we should. But so how can people maybe have a more gentle integration if they don't necessarily get that experience that they expected straight away. Mm, beautiful. Um, so something that's always quite mind-breaking or mind-shattering for clients that I've worked with in some of those breakthrough moments is realizing that frustration and numbness is also a sensation. It's also a feeling to not feel anything. And I think it's letting go of whatever the mind has created as a story of exactly what you just shared, how it should be. And just dropping into your experience, like if your experience is that you don't sense anything, that's your experience. And there's your conscious awareness and connection to where you're at right now. And that's fine. Like some moments it is like that, even for people that have been doing somatics for years, because if we're being fully present and we're brave enough to be fully present in our truth, it could change for any of us in any moment. And that's where the kindness comes in. It's just realizing that wherever we are right now is is perfect. It's beautiful. And it's making peace with that. If you can be brave enough as well to be honest about the confusion that you're feeling like, oh, why am I not feeling this? Or is this supposed to be like that? That's also that's perfect because that is your inner child being real with you. There's grace in admitting that we don't know. There's grace in not knowing. And often a lot of this stuff is, oh, I'm not not quite sure. And then it's like, oh, I, I think I feel this. And it's it's a light touch as well. It's that I love the Aldous Huxley quote from Ireland. It's one of my favorite quotes. And it's, feel deeply, but tread lightly. Mm. And I think the rest of it is something like because there's there's suction holes all around us that will suck us in if we're not careful. And I love this concept of, yeah, we're feeling deeply, but tread lightly, like it's light. It doesn't need to be this task that you set yourself, because if you do it in that way, yeah, it's it's kind of missing the point as well. And I think often, and this is something that's also been lost, it is more simple than we think. Like we don't need to force feelings. We don't push. There's nowhere to get to. It's just softening into that. And if someone's feeling frustrated, you can just remind yourself that 
it's all perfect where you are in this moment. Like how much can you make peace with exactly where you are in that moment, whether that's frustrated, numb, or feeling the depth of all of your emotions? It doesn't really matter because it's fluid and it's changing in every moment. So like learning to just let go of of it all really <laughs> yeah but it <laughs> is true it's so true it's, it's that simple but challenging to do right and yeah that's why i compared often to to relearning a language because it kind of also um, adjust uh, disappointment and frustration is often when reality doesn't meet our expectation right and if we have this uh, expectation oh i'm supposed to be able to just do this we feel a sense of disappointment maybe become self-critical but you know if you're learning a new language and it's your first lesson you you're not going to get upset you can't speak spanish fluently right it's okay that maybe you only know one word it's it's you're just starting out and it'll probably yeah. take a while for you to do a sentence and it'll probably take a while for you to understand somebody else speaking it takes consistent practice and so does tuning into the body because we have forgotten it so you know i remember spending three months and every time you know i was doing this body training in san francisco and they would say oh just you know tune into your body what and i would think what is this nonsense because i i couldn't sense anything <laughs> and i felt really frustrated right because i thought why can everybody else and i can't do this and it was only when i accepted actually i'm gonna be okay with the fact that maybe i'm the only one who can't sense anything in my body And then I just allow that to happen and slowly it was like there was a soft opening, you know, expansion. Mm. And just by taking that pressure, that that judgment away of what I should or shouldn't do. And then suddenly I started sensing something. I sense, oh, now I feel a bit tense in my stomach. Oh, now my jaw is a bit tense. And then what's interesting is when we start sensing our body, if we do have trauma, it might in the beginning feel a bit more uncomfortable because we are suddenly paying attention to all these things that we disassociated from, right? That we have yeah. obviously for a good reason, we didn't want to, we want to sense. Mm -hmm. So again, if you feel a bit worse in the beginning, then that's a natural part of the process to getting better. Like it always is mm -hmm. in the beginning mm -hmm. when we suddenly, I remember suddenly I felt all this tension in my gut, in my stomach. I felt all the clenching in my jaw and I felt, Oh, I don't want to feel this tension all the time. But the more I was able to be present with it and move it, I would literally sit because I had so much tension in my jaw, which is natural. If you had a lot of fight, response then your your jaw clutch up when you're about to fight right so it's part of protection mm -hmm. so my jaw was so tense and i didn't know why i was getting all these headaches and then i started noticing wow i'm tensing my jaw all the time and i had to start practicing relaxing it like slowly opening it like a big yawn mm -hmm. and there would be one place where my jaw would simply not move and it would be like a jerk motion, almost like it jumped from one to the next and then I could keep moving it. And that's where the where the trauma was stored, right? This muscle that was stuck in spasm. And I literally mm -hmm. kept opening my jaw slowly until I got to that point and then I kept practicing and practicing in that little space where the muscle didn't want to move. And as I did, the jaw suddenly started relaxing. Again, the mm -hmm. headaches became less and the release happened. So this is just like an example of how this can work even subtly right it could be dance but it can also just be small subtle movements like yeah. i said maybe in in your jaw where a lot of it was for me and it's fine that it takes time i felt nothing for three months like literally nothing so it's normal 
um, very normal. Uh, there's one more thing I want to talk to you about before we finish up the podcast. And also, of course, I just want to talk about where people can find you. But I just want to mention, because I think it's so important, especially in a culture where there is a lot of talk about, obviously, physical violation, sadly. I think it's still important when we talk about body sensation also to relate it to, to boundaries, how we can uphold our boundaries, because I think there's an important connection. Is that something you could talk a little bit about? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of these things do come more naturally to us when we are doing this body connection work. I found the Turing direct correlation, actually, because the more aware we become of our bodies, the more aware we become of our boundaries. And I would say when we're first starting out with that and when we're not so aware, perhaps, or it's not coming so naturally, it's just being clear that you are within your right to feel safe in interactions in in whoever it is that you're exploring that with and I think perhaps just raising if you're not sure about your boundaries with people that you do trust or just opening that conversation because it's all a learning curve as you said like with learning something new um and most of the time I think because there can also be a bit of an obsession with wanting to protect ourselves and boundaries and that kind of guard can also limit our progress. So it's finding a situation that, that you feel that you can trust, whether that's with your mind or your heart or your body or, or all of it, hopefully. But even if it's just part, um, being gentle with yourself and knowing that you are within your right to say no. I mean, this is a whole other topic in a way, because there is this British politeness culture where we're very afraid of just saying no, um, even if it's to say no to a friend that we don't feel like hanging out that day. So this this runs deep, actually. Um our confusion and inability to know when to say no and this kind of cycle of people pleasing so I think just bringing awareness to that as well and softening into ourselves and what it is that we want and need um and of course like stating our needs throughout and that will change as time goes on um but I, I guess that there's something that was coming through me as well before about what you were sharing and just that like we're often very afraid of of feeling like when we really tap into it, that's why we don't go there. But I think it's just remembering that only the mind is afraid. Often it's like I'm so I, I thought feeling my trauma would be this horrible thing that like. I was avoiding for so long because it just my mind had created so many stories about how bad it was going to be but actually when we tune into the body it, it's the opposite it's literally just a sensation it's just a feeling and I think giving yourself that empowerment that you have you have boundaries very naturally within you because you're just holding sensations and feelings and sometimes there can be that physical violation, of course, and that's like a whole different thing where we can say no and and share our experiences and we deserve to be protected in that way. But I think it's also loosening that fear that we have, that like, you know, everyone's out to attack us or get us because when it comes to healing work, like we can, we can hold ourselves through it and a good therapist, mentor or coach is teaching you how to self-heal. It's not claiming to be this kind of pedestalized person that has control over you so it's really important that you have that open conversation with whoever it is you're working with or engaging with that it's an equal 
it's an equal give and take really and and you're within your right to ask questions and just to share your your fears or your concerns um and that can help us to to set boundaries from that place and you know what i think you described so well where safety is found which is why i just want to highlight it because like you said the the Obviously, our cognition, our thoughts create all these stories because we we want to. We're meaning making machines. We're trying to make meaning out of everything, right? And often we're not even aware how our mind tricks us in the way that when we get small bits of information, something happens. Maybe somebody says something, then it goes through, and before it even comes to our consciousness, all these old parts are already projected in to create meaning out of what that meant, right? So we are not really seeing what's happening in the moment from a logical perspective, and. Therefore, again, we can so often get lost and it can feel so overwhelming and it can feel very helpless when we're stuck in the stories. And safety is when we can bring that back into just a felt sensation, right? If we can, instead of being stuck in a story or even the emotion can be really overwhelming if we're feeling fear, but when we can bring it back to, oh, it's it's just tension in my stomach. And if we can be with that, we realize actually it's not that overwhelming if yeah. I can just be with this tension in my, I can be with that tension. Yeah, it doesn't feel great right now, but it's just tension. And the more we practice that and learn that we can do that, the more safe we feel. Because like you said, we realize it's not overwhelming, right? It's like we can stay within that window of tolerance where we can still bring ourselves back. And the more practice we get in that, the more safe we feel in the world. And also the more easier it is to say no. But I think you're right. We need to do a separate podcast on boundaries because that's like a huge... <laughs> topic but before we round off could you just tell people who listen to this and think you know she's an awesome woman and you are an awesome woman and maybe they mm -hmm. want to work with you and hear a bit more how can they find you how can they find out about the stuff you do or contact you etc oh bless you thank you you're an amazing man as well and it's been really beautiful to connect um so people can find me at rackdusthealing.com So that's www.rackdusthealing.com. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well on Instagram, rackdust.healing. And Facebook is Racky Patel, I think, or PTL. Yeah. So my website, Instagram or Facebook, I'm pretty open about my life and just sharing insights as well as healing tips and testimonials and feedback and just giving people a sense of who I am and what I do in a deeper level so I would say my website Instagram or, or Facebook perfect and we're going to yeah. put the links in the description below so you anybody listening okay. can just scroll down and they can uh, they can see the links down there thank you so much for coming on the podcast I really enjoyed this conversation I could continue for a long time but I also know that people mm -hmm. listening need to get on with their lives and feel their body yeah. so and have a dance so we're gonna mm -hmm. yeah say goodbye for today but hopefully you'll come on in the future again yeah beautiful thank you Thomas thank you thank you so much